Let's open up the word of God. Let's go to John chapter 10, the book of John chapter 10. And we want to minister again. These things just keep kind of stacking up on living an, or, an extraordinary life in an ordinary world. Living an extraordinary life in an ordinary world. Uh, people say, why did Jesus come? Well, he came to forgive us of our sin. Well, that's indirectly. He came to give us an extraordinary life. And to do that, of course, he had to deal with our sin. But that wasn't the end of it. Because if you just have your sin forgiven, forgiven, listen, if you just have your sin forgiven, you're just a forgiven sinner. Because tomorrow's another day. So he, he said in chapter 10, the whole chapter's good, but let's go all the way down to verse 10. He said, the thief, the literal Greek word there is embezzler. He doesn't just say stick them up. He doesn't say give me all your money and if you move, I'll shoot you or whatever. He embezzles. He's cooking the books. The embezzler cometh not but for to steal. The word there in the Greek is klepto. And to kill. The word there is in the Greek is slaughter. Way more brutal than kill. And to destroy. The word destroy there is to render useless. Not just to consume you or blow you up or whatever. To make you impotent. To make you where you have no value. You have no, everything you do is just useless. He said, the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come. Why did you come, Lord Jesus? I am come that they might have life. That they might have life. That they might have life. I am. Why did you come, Lord Jesus? I am come that they might have life in a lifeless world. I am come that they might have life and what kind of life, Lord Jesus, and that they might have it more abundantly. And that word abundantly, I looked it up and it means exceedingly, ex excuse me, exceeding above, superior, extraordinary. Well, amen. But we, we get concentrating. We get to thinking about sin. Oh, Lord, forgive me for I have sinned and and all that. And then the next day we have to go back and say, Lord, forgive me again. I've sinned. We get to thinking about that, concentrating on that. And so we get into a survival mode or a mentality that says that Jesus just came to forgive me of my sin. And he did and he does. And he's good at it. And first John uh, chapter one says, if we confess our sin, he is faithful. He is faithful. He is faithful and just. To forgive our sin. And then he said, I'll cleanse you from all unrighteousness. It'll be as if you never sinned. You hadn't really got free until you cannot remember what you've done. Forgiven sin, cleansed sin is sin that says, I don't know what you're talking about. And when we go back to the Lord, if you ever do, and we all have, and say, Lord, I know, I know I've been here before and I told you I wouldn't do this again, but here I am again. He doesn't really know what we're talking about in the sense of one of the things he can't do. One thing he can't do is lie. And one thing is he can't remember forgiven blood washed sin. Isn't Jesus wonderful? I'm telling you, it's way better than we thought. And it's just it's way good. So I looked up that word uh, 
for I've come that you might have life. The word means zoe, but it's in contrasting to the life that he said the devil's brought. The thief cometh not, but to steal and to kill and destroy. That is what life is. We think life's pretty good, especially as Americans and whatever, that life's, these people are eating, they're going to their jobs, they're raising their babies, they're going to school, they're making a contribution to society. We don't think about that being a life that steal, kill, and destroy, but it absolutely is in comparison to what the life Jesus brought us. Because we've not hardly ever seen this other side, we tend to compare it to what we see every day. So the word ordinary, I told you about it last week and the week before, the word ordinary means common, plain. It means undistinguished, whatever. It means average, and then a new word I found means regular. So an ordinary life is a regular life. That means you have a life like everybody else. If you see a herd of sheep out there, all out in the field, and they're just out grazing, and they're wandering around and everything, they have a regular life. Nothing is happening. Oh, something's happening. Well, yeah, we, we do have a spark here, and we'd have an upspurt there, and we get excited about that. But it's like they pull the curtain back just for a moment or like the shutter of a camera that moves into a tenth of a second, moves across an image. It's just for a moment. You can't remember it. It's fleeting. It's just a blink. Twinkling of an eye, which is a tenth of a second. That's what we see every once in a while about life and life to the abundance. And we think, well, that's heaven because nobody's living it here. But we should. Because Jesus said, that's what I came for. If we knew the enormity and the impact and the weight of what it took for him to forgive us of our sin and to wash sin completely out of our lives, make it a non-factor. Non-factor. Say with me. Non-factor. Sin is a non-factor. Jesus thinks he solved the sin problem. If anybody wants to be free, they would think like he thinks. He solved the sin problem. I'm not a sinner. Amen. Well, I looked up the word extraordinary because that's that seemed to be what he said. I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly. It would be extraordinary life, ordinary life like the masses have, like everybody has. Blessed in a certain way, but lots of troubles. An extraordinary life. There's just a few people that you could point to and say they had an extraordinary life. But even in that, a lot of them would tell you about what it took to get there. But the word extraordinary means remarkable. I have a remarkable life. Can you say that? It means exceptional. I have an exceptional life. What's up? What do, you, what do you mean you have an exceptional life? That's what he said he came to give me, and I received him. I received him. I received Jesus. Oh, just for going to heaven, just to not go to hell. Oh, no, I, I got him for more than that. Because we hadn't even tasted that thing about not going to hell yet. So if that's it, I got to wait until I'm gone, don't you? It means beyond. Ordinary, extraordinary means beyond. It means worthy, having a worthy life. It means rare. 
I like that word. That's a new word I found. An extraordinary life is a rare life. It means, I've never heard of this one before, inordinate. It's an exceptional life. It means singular. I've come that you might have a singular life. Special. Is your life special? Uh, we would all say, based on what our testimony is, that we are on the top side of ordinary or on the low side of special. But that just means we hadn't got there yet. The word also means phenomenal. Say that one with me. Phenomenal. I have a phenomenal life. Can you say it? I have a phenomenal life. Oh, that was weak, 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 weak. Okay, everybody, you ready? The conductor's up here. You're going to blow your horn as soon as he... I have a phenomenal life. Now, as soon, as soon as you get your faith around that, that's when it's activated. Heaven's already pulled the switch, said, let her go, let's do it. Bombs away. But down here, we might say, I'm just blessed to not have to survive anymore. I'm so blessed that we can pay our bills. And we are. And I'm so, go, so, I'm so blessed that the storms always come to Columbus, Mississippi and always just go this way. Oh, you, you watch them over and over and over and you just say, here it goes. Here it goes. There it is. Whoosh. It goes around. Columbus. We've watched it over and over. That's good. I like that. But that's not the end of it. That's just a glimpse. That's just a tenth of a second as it goes by. So what have we said here? Transpose these words. We wouldn't do anything that's contrary to the scripture, but it says the thief cometh not but to steal, to kill and destroy. What have we said? The thief cometh not except to limit to a common, plain, undistinguished, Average, regular, uninspiring life. The thief cometh not except to limit to an uninspiring life. Would you think he'd be proud enough with that? If we never saw the extraordinary, if we never saw the phenomenal, then we would never know it was there. Except in the word. But we all would like to have a demonstration and the Lord says, yeah, I want you to have a demonstration, too. I want it to be you. Well, Lord, send somebody. Send Brother Hagin. Send Brother Copeland. Send somebody. Oh, you think they're not ordinary. You think that they're not regular people like us. And so that's another class or a different genre of people. He said, I want you to be extraordinary. Let me read them again. You might have already forgotten them. Remarkable. Exceptional. Beyond. Worthy, rare, inordinate, singular, special, and phenomenal. Jesus said, I have come for the express, express purpose to give you a phenomenal life. Wow. It's better than we thought. I said it's better than we thought. It's so, it's so much better that we can hardly get our head around it. Matter of fact, we can't. You can't get this. You have to go down here. This is where the equipment is. This is where the wiring is. This is where the CPU is, as it were, that can get around the word of God. 
This is spirit. This is spirit. If you try to go there in your head, you'll shake your head and say, I just don't see it. I don't understand. I don't believe that. I don't. And you'll walk away ordinary. Devil one, Jesus none. Because he convinced you. We're, we're all mad at Thomas. It says, except I see the, the uh, uh, Thomas said, except I see the, the nail scars in his hand and the hole in his side. Is that in there? Anyway, y'all know the scripture, what I'm talking about. He said, unless I see it, I don't believe. And Jesus said, well, blessed are you, son, but blessed are those that don't have to see to believe. So if you're going to be extraordinary, you're going to have to believe things that you've never seen or heard. As a matter of fact, in the New Testament, the only people that the Lord Jesus ever said great faith about was people that didn't see something they could mimic. Peter didn't have great faith when he walked on the water, although that's extraordinary, because he was looking at the Lord Jesus walk on the water. Monkey see, monkey do sort of thing. Maybe I shouldn't have said that, but it's, it's kind of like, okay, I can do what he's doing if he says I can. But these other people, they, they stepped out of the boat where nobody had ever stepped. And that's what the Lord wants you to do, to be a demonstration. That is our job right now, to be a demonstration, to live out an ordinary life in an extraordinary world. The realm of the kingdom. Hallelujah. So Jesus said... Uh, I have come that they might have a remarkable, exceptional, beyond, worthy, rare, inordinate, singular, special, phenomenal life. I have come for them to have an extraordinary life. That's me. You cannot do or have what you do not become. You have to be before you can have and, and do. If you think you're a sinner, then that label, that identity will keep you from having abundant life because sinners just don't get that stuff. We're, we're just worms. But once you become the righteousness of God in him, once you become uh, that he's the firstborn among many brethren, that we're in his class, we're in his class, we're in the class of Jesus. We are not him. We're not saying we're Jesus. We're not saying we're saviors. We're not saying we're messiahs, but we're saying we're in that class because Romans 8 says as he uh, that we have become. He is the firstborn among many brethren. He put us in his class. What he is, so are we. Oh, I should think different then because I'm thinking like all these 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 sheep and these dogs and these whatever that are just, you know, you, you put a bowl of dog food out and the dog comes. So he said, I might, I have come that they might have an extraordinary life. And I just put this down, living with an edge. Have you got an edge this morning? Are you a little edgy? When people get around you, they know what they're going to get. I promise you when they come around me, they know what they're going to get. Nobody, nobody walks away and says, that was ordinary. <laughs> And we've always said, I've always said, you may not like me, but you will never forget me. And that's what we all ought to have. It's like, wow, wow. But there's an admiration for someone that's bold, that's not ordinary. 
We despise. One thing we despise is hypocrisy. All of us hate that just about as much as anything that's in people. We hate hypocrites. I mean, despise them, whatever word you want to use. And uh, so people like it when you say you are somebody and then you go out and do that very thing that you said you were. It's an amazing. So I have come that they might have an extraordinary life, living with an edge and living with an advantage. Don't y'all know that favor's not fair? <laughs> We're, we got inside information. We went to the dog track and we already know who's going to win or whatever. We, we know who's going to win. It's me. It's not that you have to lose. It's that I, I get to win. And if you want to do what I'm doing, you can win too. But there's plenty. There's plenty. Turn with me to Luke chapter 15, please. Are you all okay this morning? Yes. Now we're stretching. The first word I ever got in my life prophetically. Well, I was, I was a youngster. I was 27 years old. And... Uh, I was going into the ministry the next year and I had a man stand me up and he said, he said, thus saith the Lord, God is going to stretch you in some seemingly painful ways. And I can tell you, they have been, but the stretching has worked. I'm not what I was when I was 27. Could y'all say amen to what happened in your life? The stretching, the stretching has been painful. To the soul, it's been painful to, to have to step out on the water and then step out again and then step out again. It's like, Lord, I proved it. Well, that was yesterday. We're going to go again. In Luke chapter 15, look in verse 4. It says, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it? And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth, more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. Either what woman, having ten pieces of silver, if she lose one piece, doth not light a candle and sweep the house and seek diligently until she find it. And when she hath found it, she calleth her friends and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I have lost. Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. So here he's talking about things that are out of order. He's, he's talking about things that are incomplete. The sheep that's lost one, the woman that lost her coin, he's... He's talking about things that are not whole and how much rejoicing there is when things are made complete or whole. He's talking about things that are not right. Heaven notices when things are not right. Heaven wants things right. Wants right th things right for you and me. Wants right things right for sinners. For them, it's to get Jesus. It's to get themselves right. But we're already right in that regard, but we're not right in our soul. We still have to renew our minds because we have wrong thinking. Y'all say amen. You, you may not think you do, but I've looked at you. you. We all have wrong thinking. Better than ever, but still, we're not there. We're not like, oh yeah. The mind of Christ is the, 
is the limit. And we were talking this morning about how Adam named every animal in the garden by himself. You go, well, that was supernatural. That was extraordinary. That's beyond. If you think about the cicadas and the serpents and the frogs and the fish, all that there is, you go, that's that's a fairy tale. You are tempted to assign it something that's not real. But the truth is, the reality is, that's who you and I are in him. But we spoiled our minds with the world until we got born again. And then until we found out that we had this mind of Christ, which for, for me was until I was 28 years old. Well, stuff had set up. You know, if you put out concrete in the morning, you can't change your mind by three o'clock. It, it's pretty much what it is is what it is. And so we all have limited minds based on Romans 12, 2, that says, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. Transformed into what? Into the mind of Christ, into the potential, into the limits, into the boundaries of what heaven has made you. You go, well, how can that be? We've never seen anybody. No, but we've read about it. Said he named every animal. And he said, that's the pattern of my man. I mean, we were all descendants of that man. And until he messed up with sin and, and relegated us all to be cursed, that's where we were going. That's who we were created. But praise God, Jesus came, the second Adam came and restored everything that Adam lost. And what is that? Well, it wasn't less than what Adam had. It wasn't less than what Adam was was made. It was that. But we got to work things out. Unbelief. Our experience. Well, we never had anything. Me, I grew up poor and I guess that's the way it's going to be. God just, well, daddy died at 59. I probably won't make it past that. We, we set those limits on our life, but the Lord never did. He said, with long life, I'll satisfy you. He didn't say, well, everybody's got a time to go. I'll, I'll tell you when that number comes. He never said that. It's not in there. It's nowhere in there. It's, it's, not, it's a lie. It's a lie. Well, I'm going to live to be 120. Well, you won't be satisfied after about 100. Because you get a picture of Jesus in heaven and you go, it's time. But that's, that's a whole other subject. But I'm just saying, the mind of Christ is what Adam had. And that's what you and I have. Now, believe it or believe it or not, what you do with that statement determines your future. Be ordinary, regular, or be extraordinary and phenomenal. He gave us the option. So it's up to us. So here we have this story. Where, where am I? I'm, uh, that was verse... Uh, that was verse, uh, okay, here we are. Verse 11, a certain man had two sons. Okay, the younger of, the, of them said to his father, Father, give me a portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided it unto them as living, which was contrary to the culture. You lived with daddy. 
And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country and there wasted his substance with riotous living. So there follows the coin. There follows the sheep that was lost. It's something that's broken, that's out of line, that's out of order. The Lord's giving us the third example of things that are out of order. This is out of order. Do you all know anything in your life or seen somebody that that was out of order? Right now, we're seeing a lot of family issues that are out of order. They're out of order. They're wrong. They're incomplete. They're not right. And the Lord doesn't like that. He in the sense that he's working to get it back. He he wants reconciliation. He wants us to come back. He wants order. But sometimes people go so far you can't bring them back into order. But he's always in order. And so it says, uh, uh, verse 14, when he had spent all there rose a mighty famine in the land and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country and he sent him into this field to feed swine. That's pretty hard on a Jew boy, isn't it? And he would have filled his belly with, he would have, he would, uh, feigned. Okay, I've got it circled. He filled his belly with the husk of the swine to eat and no man gave unto him. And then verse 17 says he came to himself. So restoration is God's standard. So what what is the standard of restoration for you and me? What is the mark that the Lord's pulling us back to? When does he say, whoo, finally got you there. That's enough. That's done. That's that's better than it's ever been for you. Uh, it's more blessed than it's ever been for you. You're happier than you've ever been. That ought to be good enough. So good enough would be good enough. But that's not his standard of restoration. It's all the way back to Adam. It's all the way back to Jesus. And, that, and then that would go to the unfallen Adam. You go, Lord, that's a big span. Well, think about heaven. That's where you're going. That's the standard there. Do y'all think it's less than there? Y'all think they're having belly aches in heaven and can't pay their bills on, on some Fridays? So we're walking now towards heaven so that ideally when we step over into heaven on that day, it's not much different. There's no devil there, but we have power over the devil here. There's no lack there, but all sufficiency in all things sounds pretty good. Pour out the windows. There's no sickness there. There's no pain there. But by his stripes, we were healed. So when we step over, it ought to be, ah, a new place. No devil, but he's, he's, he's inconsequential. Boy, I'm preaching real good this morning. I may go another 30 minutes. Hallelujah. So, uh, so if we fail to think right, that's the, only, that's the only linchpin that we have. I don't have to swim every sea and climb every mountain and walk on heated glass. All I have to do is... Renew my mind. That's all that's required because the price for me to be restored to that has already been paid. There's nothing left on heaven's side to say, you know, we're going to work on that. I've, we're a little behind up here, but we're, we're going to get you in the queue and we're going to do better for you. He's already done, finished. He said it's finished. So what's, what's up? How come it's not like I have come that you might have a phenomenal life? Oh, it's me. Oh, it's I can go as fast as I want to. I can renew my mind as fast as I want to. 
Well, we'd rather it was on his side. I'm just waiting on the Lord to get it right. I mean, we'd rather, we'd rather us say, you know, the Lord's still working on me, but he's not still working on you. I'm still working on me. Praise God. Second Timothy chapter three. Now, if you like that, you're not going to like this. <laughs> Second Timothy, you know, that's that little place in the word. But I'm going to read it to you this morning to make a point. Because all I'm here this morning and all you're here for this morning is to transact our thinking. We, we are, we're, we're transacting our thing. I'm here to persuade you in a more excellent way. Well, it's not that you're like, well, you don't need to persuade me, but we, we don't know what that way is because we always set the mark too short. Feeling better, having a little more money, having not as much pressure. We all think that's the end of it. I mean, in our natural way, but better is not the standard of heaven. Better is not the standard of heaven. We have to go there to get there, but that's not the end of anything. Better is not the end of anything. Because once you get to better, there's better yet. <laughs> Isn't this, aren't you still pressing for better even after it's been better? Sure. That's because we're pressing towards the mark. The mark. The mark. It says in, in 2 Timothy 3, this also know. So he's already been talking about stuff. That in the last days, perilous... The word in the Greek there is the word fierce. Fierce times shall come. Would anybody in here say that we might be in perilous times? Does anybody watch the news? If you watch the news or read anything in print about what's going on in the world, it's crazy. I, even the frog in the kettle effect where we just are able to handle things because they've just been getting worse progressively and we're used to them. And so when something else bad happens and weird happens, we just say, oh, well, that's just a part of it. Whereas if you took us out of the 70s and just dropped us in here, we would lose our minds about what's happened. The, the, the transactions in just 20, 30, 40 years. But even in the frog in the kettle, we're, we're just aghast. The homosexual things and the the uh, the uh, CRT and the just what things people are saying. It's just not it's just contrary. It's just so contrary. And so now, you know, and Christians are on the target list. Well, we all knew in the end days that's what would come. But he said perilous times will come. And then he lists what that looks like. So we have a little checklist here to see if we're in the end days. If we. Here he describes perilous times. He said, for men shall be lovers of their own selves. Covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. Well, you could say, and we would, that we'd acknowledge that it's always been that way in some degree. But unthankful? Oh, my. Now, there was nine lepers that were not especially thankful, and Jesus acknowledged the tenth one that came back, and he said, hey, it's, it's better for you. But unthankfulness is a, is a rage right now, if you measure that, and I do. Uh, the, uh, the Passion says that in the end days, uh, well, I should this is on the first verse, that times will sink so low into degradation 
that it will be extremely difficult for the people of God. Do you know what they did during the COVID? They closed churches. What else is there to do? What, how do you, else do you shut down a culture? What, what is more extreme than that? You're kicking you out of your house or something and say you, you're on the street now and we lock this house up or what what they do? Well, that it could be more extreme, I guess. But closing churches is pretty bold. It's pretty brassy. And there should have been nobody that didn't stand up for that. We should have lost our minds, so to speak. We said, well, it'll be back eventually. Two years later, some churches still aren't back. My mother's church in, in West Texas They've never recovered from it. The people that left for that just never came back. The, uh, the Amplified, oh, you'll, you'll like this, verse 1. Perilous times of great stress and trouble, hard to deal with and hard to bear. Whatever. The New Living in verse 2 says, For people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. They will, here it is. They will consider nothing sacred. And there's nothing holy. Coming to church this morning, I saw truck after truck and people in the streets working on Sunday. I mean, that's, that's your personal observation. But Lynn and I were talking the other day that used to be on Wednesday, no school system would have football or basketball practice after school and there'd be no homework on Wednesday because it was church night. Universally, it was a cultural thing. Enough said. Verse three, I'm going on. Without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good. The Amplified says they will be without natural human affection, callous and inhumane. Now, I'm telling you right now, there is a there is a uh, disparity where children don't love their parents and parents don't love their children in such a way that would be considered terrible. Uh, Ephesians six says, if you want to live long, if you want if you want it to be well with you, you'll honor your father, father and mother. Does it mean that fathers and mothers are always honorable? <laughs> I doubt it. Because half the, you know, most of the population is a father or mother, or at least had one. It says do it anyway. But not in this day. We kick them to the curb. We don't care. We don't call. We disparage our parents. Piece of trash. You go, that's not right. I, I, I'm, a not, I'm a ear witness to it. I've been with people, and they say, this is what my kids are saying and what my kids are doing. It's just, it's, it's in times, it's perilous times. Um, the, uh, the passion says, slaves to their desires, they will be ferocious. How about the riots that we had last summer and the summer before? They will be ferocious, belligerent haters of what is good and right. Oh, well. Verse four, traitors, heady, High-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. Now, he says loving pleasures is perilous times more, more than loving God. And uh, the New Living says they will betray their friends and be reckless. The Passion says with brutal treachery, they will act without restraint. 
I don't know, maybe y'all don't read the news or whatever, you know, you're insulated in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. You know, we're insulated here a certain amount. We're in the South. Verse five says, having a form of godliness. The word there, having a form of godliness, means behind the mask. It's religion. Religion is behind the mask. They have a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. From such, turn away. He said, turn away from the religious. The, uh, the, the, uh, yeah, that's all that says. Verse six, for out of this sort are those which creep into houses and leave, lead captive silly women laden with lust, led away with divers lusts. Verse seven, wow, verse seven. Ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now, y'all, that's, that's, to me, that's the, the main one in all of this. Verse six and seven in the, in the uh, verse seven in the Passion says, they are always learning and wanting to teach. Y'all know those people? Well, I do. They don't even go to church themselves. They don't even watch it on TV. But they're always wanting to have a Bible study and always wanting to teach you. Uh, they're always learning and wanting to teach, but never discover the revelation knowledge of truth. So the, the point of all this is this is another part of the sheep that's missing, the coin that's gone, and the, the son that took off. Things that are broken and out of order, the Lord wants to fix it. Wants to fix it for you if you're a victim of that, or fix it for you if you're always learning but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Just never get it. Been, been in church, been in the Word, been with people for 20 years and still come to a, 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 a situation, a problem, a, a challenge, and don't know what to do. Just like, what are we going to do? What do you mean, what are we going to do? We're going to win. What do you mean, what are we going to do? We're going to stand, and having done all to stand, we're going to stand, therefore. We're going to speak to the mountain. We're going to forgive. What do you mean, what are we going to do? Well, I just don't know what to do. So that's that. That's in the church. So that's the same as the, the prodigal. But in verse 17, I'm going to go back to that. Luke 15. You don't have to, but I will. Luke 15. The prodigal son that we call him. It says, when he came to himself. When he came to himself. Say it with me. And when he came to himself. So you go, well, yeah, that, old, that, that bad boy, that sucker, that, that reprobate, what bad guy. We, we talk about him. Oh, it's me. Oh, no, it's me. Well, I'm not in the pig pen and I didn't have riotous living. Or did I? To whom much is given, it's a higher bar. So I can't live like I don't get drunk and I don't smoke it and I don't run around with the girls that do or whatever. I can't. That's not my level anymore. I have a higher standard. And it says there he came to himself. Family, it's time to come to ourselves. And not be religious and high and mighty and say, well, it's better. I'm better than I used to be. Therefore. And it's what comes after therefore that, that describes your life. It doesn't mean anything. Until we put on the mind of Christ, until we start walking above, we've got to come to ourselves. The word there, uh, came to himself, means just kind of what it says. It means 
he realized. Or the word also means uh, came to his senses. Have you ever had a revelation where you see something that you'd never seen before and it's like, oh, that's been there all along? Boy, I have. And it's, it's not like gra some things are gradual, but some things are like just smack you. It's like, oh, I saw a verse last night. Oh, I didn't even see it. I thought of it. It just came into me, just came into me about, uh, and I'm going to use it, but it was talking about when I was a child, I thought of as a child and spoke as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Well, we're, we're men. You can't say that until you've put away childish things. Oh, that's the description. I thought it was, I take T-pills and I, I work out and I'm a buff man and, you know, and I can run, I can run a mile in 13 seconds, stuff like that. That's not it at all. You put away childish things. Oh, that works for all of us. So we've got to put away childish things. But that was a revelation that just, I'd never seen it, hadn't read anything about it, never heard it before, it just suddenly came. That's the way it comes to you. We came to ourselves. Family, it's time to come to ourselves. And never settle and say, better is good enough. Better is not good enough. Better is just better. I don't want an ordinary life. You go, well, I'm, I think I'm doing pretty good. Compared to what? Compared to the way you were. Well, I guess the boy in the pig pen was fixing to do better. But he was still an outlaw, an outcast. I mean, in his mind, it was the father that made him whole and restored him. Uh, so we have to keep on Romans 12 too. Be not conformed to this world. Quit it. Quit it, Michael Ray. Quit it, River Church. Quit being conformed to this world. If you're not a certain amount obnoxious, and I'm plenty, <laughs> then there's something missing. You're conformed to this world. If you're not obnoxious, if you don't, if you're not the fly in somebody's ointment, Even your kids, they're watching just like you and I watched our parents and knew everything they were thinking, every move they made. They think, ah, oh, they're just kids. They don't know nothing. Sure. First Thessalonians 3.10 says that he might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. I need perfecting in my faith. I'm not, every mountain I speak to does not move. La, 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 la. That's what it does. It sticks its tongue back out at me and says, who are you? Galatians 5, 7, ye did run well. Who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? Now, we don't want to go into your life. I sure don't want you going into mine. But there's lots of truth we're not obeying. Can I just be clear this morning? Be frank, be honest. I won't be here this week, so y'all can mull on it seven days. So Jesus came so that everybody would have a remarkable life, an extraordinary life, an amazing life. He came that everybody say, that's me. That's come on, come on, point. That's me. He came that everyone would have an extraordinary, phenomenal, above 
worthy, noteworthy life. And so we could be pretty, you know, like, well, I'm doing better than them, and you are. Praise God. But there's more. So I don't want to be that ever learning and never coming to the knowledge of the truth. I'm convicted to the core about that verse. Always just stirring my pot, saying, oh, it's better than it's ever been. Just working on the things that are already on the stove, just working on the things that are already cooked. Never saying we should build a cake or we should make a, uh, a pie or something or, or whatever that would, analogy would be that we would say there's more to do instead of just stir, stirring this soup and going on. Ever learning and never coming to the knowledge of the truth. What do we not know that we should know? What do you know or not know that you should know? Well, you don't know what you don't know. Is that right? You don't know what you don't know. But what if we should know what we don't know? What if it's key to the assignment of heaven's plan for you that was before the foundation of the world? I know this is a little ethereal. This is a little out there. This is a little provoking. I know where I am. I know what I'm saying. I know what this is all about. But that's what we need because we, everybody in here, knows not to sin. We already, we already know the list of the no-nos, and we, we don't touch those. And if you did, there's nobody that could get up here and say, don't do that. And you go, oh, my word, I'm convicted. No, we already know. We already know. So what is it for us to, to aspire to as a, as a church, as a people? It's to be all he made us to be. That's it. If you'll be who Jesus made you, there's nothing else needs to be said. Oh, he's doing good preaching. I just, I just love how he preaches. It's just awesome. He's on the edge here. It says that he came to himself. So I say, Michael Ray, come to yourself. Michael, come to yourself. Well, you're the preacher. You, you're, you got an exemption. You're supposed to know more than anybody. Bull. I'm not supposed to. I am just as accountable as anybody in here. But you are as accountable as anybody in here. And if this was supposed to be a congregation of prophets and apostles, whatever those are, we'd say, oh, we need to giddy up. I don't know that. I don't know. But but just be find out and be. So stop it. Quit being tolerant of the world's in, excuse me. Quit being intolerant of the world's standard and start putting on the Jesus standard. I as he is. So am I. That is the standard. First John four. Amen. I want you to go to one more scripture or let me just read it to you. It's in Deuteronomy chapter 30. I hate to go to the Old Testament to finish something up. It says it in other ways in the New Testament, but we'll just say it right here in chapter 30, verse 19. I, I don't want to live an ordinary life. The scariest, if I can use that word, scariest thing to me is going to heaven. Finishing your life, whatever you did, you did. And then all of a sudden we were blooped up. And, and what's done is done and it's over and you get no do overs and you, you can't add to it. And then seeing the video of what God had planned for me and how far I was short of that. That's the only thing I'm motivated by 
It's not sin that I've done because I've got it under the blood. We all got it under the blood. If you don't get it under the blood, because it will never get mentioned again in heaven. I used to be afraid of the video that God was going to show all over heaven. <laughs> and so this is Michael's life. Look at that. Oh, don't look, kids. <laughs> I was afraid of that video. And then I found out, oh, everything that's confessed under the blood gets edited out. I want him to say, well, we just got a blank screen this morning. It's, it's old Michael Ray. He was good. At, he was terrible at a lot of things, but he was good at the blood. <laughs> oh, but Deuteronomy 30, 19 says, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you. Wow, that sounds pretty tough. The God of heaven saying, I'm calling heaven and earth to record against you that I have set before you life and death. Do you all believe that? Yes. That you can do anything. Blessing and cursing. Therefore. Choose life. Choose life. So I, I, can I adjure this church and say, choose life? I don't know what you're doing. I don't know what you're not doing. I don't want to know. I don't care. I, that's not my responsibility. That's not, I'm, I, I do not have to bring the finished product to, to heaven for me to get a reward, but I have to have preached the finished project, product to myself and to you. And I say, stop it. I say, quit acting like the world, Tim, 2 Timothy 3. Quit being unthankful. Quit being hard to teach. Argumentative when, when you hear something, say, well, I don't believe that. Quit doing that. Be generous. If you're not generous, be generous. Well, I give plenty. No one's judging the amount. It's just, is it generous for you? Are you stretching? Oh, this is a stretch. Well, we, that's how we felt last year, and we didn't give that much. We were stretching. Yeah, we're stretching. Now, I'm not talking about money necessarily. I'm talking about generous with your time. Sure, baby, I got time for you. I got time for you. Because he redeems my time. He'll raise up somebody. He says he lays help on him who is mighty. So if you sow your time doing what only you can do, then he'll raise up somebody that can do what only they can do to do what you don't need to be doing. I mean, it's, it's amazing what the promises say that we hadn't tapped into. All these promises, they're to carry out what we say, I want life and life to the full. I want the abundant life. I want the windows opened. So you ought to go into your closet somewhere, sometime, going down the road, whatever, whenever you get alone. And you ought to consider who you are. Not consider who you've been, but consider who you are in him. Consider yourself according to the promises. Ooh. It gets pretty dicey. And say, Lord, I'm going to press toward that mark. Amen. So, Father, we thank you this morning. You've got a mark for us to press toward. You've given us a wonderful example, a demonstration. Paul was wonderful. Peter was great. We love what you've showed us. But Lord Jesus, you were one of us. And you did it by the same, same token and strength that you've required of us. No different. 
you resisted temptation, you stood strong, everything just like we can. So, Lord, we come to ourselves. I have an aha moment this morning, Lord, this morning at this time, almost 12 o'clock on Sunday morning. I have an aha and say, I'm tired of being tired. I'm tired of of being inferior. I am tired of just having an ordinary life. I don't want any more ordinary, regular. Everybody's got one like me life. And so I'm going to step out. I don't know what that means. We don't know exactly how that'll play. But we have to say yes first. So this morning I say yes. I say yes to you, Lord Jesus. I'm not afraid you'll put more on me than I can bear. I'm not afraid it'll you'll you'll not let me have any more fun. I'm, I'm not afraid that you'll take away people and things I love. I'm not afraid, Lord. I trust you for a life that's to the full, to the extreme. I step out. I put on the Holy Ghost. I put him on. I, I, I pursue you, Holy One. I pursue you. I pursue you, Holy Spirit. You comfort, but you guide. You teach, you instruct. And I need instruction. I need to know what's out there. So, Lord, we thank you that there's nothing impossible to him who believes. And I believe. As far as I can this morning, I step out and I believe. In Jesus' name, we all said, Amen. 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 Well, I'm the preacher. I, do, I did my job. Just do your job, Michael. That's all that's required. Ye fahara su kiata brahenem undiata se. Tofasha hikapaha siha to siata bai. Lebre bo yo honiambu siya kalahariya today. Tote, shobode, so yatabaha, anabadi, o kedazi o yanamando brete, yobodasita bahatai, shade. I want to invite you, if you've got that, if you've just got a part of that, the interpretation of that, would you stand up and just go as far as you can, and the Lord will finish it or finish it another way. I will always be ready to see the sun. Always. Don't ever doubt that. Because I am the Lord your God. You are my children. I will always provide everything that you need. Oh, everybody take a breath. Hallelujah. Oh, let's lift our hands. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Your promises are yes and amen. Thank you, Lord. Well, we cast our care upon the Lord right now this morning. If you have a care of any kind this morning, just cast your care upon him for he careth for you. Yes, Lord, we trust you. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Well, all is well. All is well. I said all is well. All is well. All is well. <laughs>